0: Hey everyone, before we get started, um, I've got some really big news here that's not good. Uh, the governor of California approved and it was filed with the secretary both the same day on June 30th, a new bill that took effect on July 1st. The bill states, this bill would prohibit a firearm industry member as defined from advertising or marketing any firearm related product as defined in a manner that is designed intended or reasonably appears attractive to minors. Now this bill goes on. Okay. Um, It's imposing $25,000 fines. They go as far as to talk about t-shirts, hats, coaching, instruction. This is for minors in the state of California. Now I suggest we're going to copy the link to this bill in the podcast description. You can go down and click on it, read it for yourself, interpret it as you will. If you're a member of the industry, I would contact an attorney and let them advise you on what to do on this. In the short-term interim, I have spoken with Michael Hampton of the NSSA, NSCA. He did inform me that they will be uh, prohibiting any kind of literature, both digitally and print, uh, going to a minor in the state of California from here on out uh, until this is resolved. I also spoke with John Comerford of the NRA. They are filing suit, and they're going to seek out an injunction. But until that time, use caution. Read the bill for yourself. Interpret it as you will. Um, If you have anything whatsoever to do with a minor and shooting in the state of California, just be cautious. Protect yourself. Make sure what you're doing, you're not going to get in trouble. As a podcast, we are still going to continue to have youth shooters on. Unfortunately, we will not be able to have anybody on from the state of California, again, until this is resolved, and we will not be advertising you shooting on any California page. So, in the meantime, just like I said, do what you will with the information, read it for yourself, interpret it as you will, and do what you need to do. Uh, Moving forward, you know, hey, voting, contacting your state senators, congressmen, representatives, and voicing your opinions, maybe we can keep this stuff from happening in other states that's it for now on to the show
1: welcome to the dead pair podcast energized by klmo game Boy us with your hosts jason rambo and sean alley Coming in hot with the 411 on all things Sporting Clays. Your go-to source for information, education, and entertainment. From the new shooter to the seasoned competitor. Oh, I'm a junkie, man. I want to play with the
2: buttons.
0: He just I... likes to throw people onto the bus. We're right. not used to that yet. <laughs> That's part of the show. Does your brain hear what your mouth is saying? Hey, I'm going to call dave when the podcast is over and ask him what half the words are let's rapid fire let's do the hot seat let's get her done
1: often imitated but never duplicated and now it's showtime
2: woo yeah it's showtime (laughs) mate jason rambo See evening Christmas. Let's do it.
0: No more Red Bull for you.
2: Oh, man. I got two more left. Hold What's on. What's
0: up, my large mammal friend?
2: Ah, Just you know, rocking like docking.
0: Yes. We've got another exciting week with another new guest, Mr. Brett Siebert.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody talks about the big targets that they throw at Northbrook. Yes. And, I mean, we've seen big targets. We haven't been in Northbrook. I don't
0: think Northbrook throws quite what we saw at the U.S. Open. I don't think people from NASA have seen what they threw at the U.S. Maybe, Open. Maybe, but we're going
2: to find out. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, let's talk about that just for a second here before we get Brett on the phone. You know, clubs, targets, rising costs, planning shoots. I mean... It's all a topic of discussion, Mm -hmm. it seems like, around the club nowadays.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's just hand-in-hand with what the economy is doing right now. I mean, everybody is feeling the pinch of high-priced fuel, which is in turn making all of the goods that we typically buy much more expensive to purchase. Yeah. So, shells are more expensive. In turn, the clay birds are more expensive. Uh, Travel's more expensive. Hotel's more expensive. The food that you eat when you go out is more expensive. I mean... It's costing more for everybody in the country to do their day-to-day, not to mention yeah. their hobbies.
0: Well, you know, and we'll we'll ask Brett his opinion here in a minute, um, being somebody that, you know, general manager of a club. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, I've seen it more and more is people are – the diehard shooter is a diehard shooter, right? They're going to go to the club no matter what it costs. But I think they're starting to back off a little bit of how much participation – even though what I'm getting at is, so let's say they go to the tournament, but they're not signing up for every single side game or sub gauge event. Or, yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah,
2: and I mean, and I think that's that's the biggest realization. It's like, look, the, the big guys, the top names in the game, they're going to keep doing what they're doing because that's what they do. Right. but everybody else who does this, like me and you, weekend warriors, this is a hobby for us. You got to start kind of looking at things and saying, well, I got X amount of dollars in the budget to do right. do this sport. Right. And at the end of the day, you got to make some decisions.
0: Yeah, and I think it's been talked about way too much as far as the U.S. Open targets. But, uh, you know, I think when people go, they're looking for more bang for their buck, if you will. Because, like you said, all these rising costs. So, people want to go and have fun and not feel, they want to feel challenged, not beat up. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, let's face it. Look, the U.S. Open is the U.S. Open. It's the U.S. Open, so it's got to be what it's got to be. And uh,
0: Rick had every right to do what he did. And oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. He do a great event, but it's it's his course. He can do what he wants. But I think for the regular events locally that aren't a U.S. Open, clubs have to be careful. Yeah,
2: got got to keep it friendly. Got to keep it fun because you want people to come back. Sure so keep that in mind you know you don't have to set targets like the u.s open again it's the u.s open and that it's totally fine to do that there but again local tournaments make sure it's fun you you (laughs) want you want people coming back doesn't have to be charity no it doesn't have to be charity but it's it needs to be challenging but still enjoyable so
0: you and i recently shot a tournament yes we did and how'd you do I, came really, I know how you did,
2: but tell else how you did. I, I had a really good day on Sunday. I haven't been shooting much. Work's been crazy busy. Haven't had time to practice for months, and it showed on Saturday. I went out there and shot the super sporting, and, and the main didn't do real great. Um, But Sunday, things started kind of clicking on the main, and I had a really good run, and I let it get in my head, and the last two stations dropped six birds. And, yeah, I was sitting on a 92, Drop six birds and wound up with an 86. And if I would have kept my 92, it would have been HOA. Yeah. So, and I know you had a great, great weekend. You've shot better <laughs> than you have in months.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's been well talked about. I've been shooting extremely poorly. And I felt like this weekend was a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won on Sunday, one won A, And then on Saturday, I think I took a third uh, in A, But it look it's you know we're not talking about doing that at the nationals but like i said it's a step in the right direction yeah um,
2: and you looked a lot better doing it too you looked a lot more relaxed little, and i can
0: tell you right now when this all comes out when you know if if i do manage to put this together and turn myself back around I, i'm gonna share with everybody i'm i don't mean to tease everybody but i need to prove to myself that, it, that this is going to work what i'm doing and then i'll be more than happy to share with everybody but uh Back to you, Sean, you know, just so everybody knows, this guy was on fire. I mean, you started off well, and you through the middle, man, you were just sweeping station after station after station. And I think you put too much pressure on yourself. I the did. End.
2: I did. We rounded the corner, and we had station one and two to finish up, and I just started thinking too much about it, got a little too tight, a little too analytical, and it bit me in the butt. Yeah. So, oh, well, It and again, I look at it as a learning experience. I haven't. Shot that well all this year. Again, limited time to practice, been busy with work. And I'm not making excuses, but it is what it is. And so can
0: I can I show that with everybody real quick? Sure. Station one. Yep. Learning experience, right? For yep. both of us. Absolutely. And let, let's, you know, we want to help people. So this station, when you were standing in the box, Sean, help me out here. Trap. Both traps were off to your left. So if you're facing 12 o'clock, they were at 9 o'clock.
2: Yep. And I was first shooter.
0: And you were first shooter. And true pair. I'm going to say they were deep quartering, true Shondells.
2: Yeah, with a little bit of belly. The, uh, they weren't true. I don't know if they were true Chandelles. They were like half Shondells. They were about half belly, three-quarter belly.
0: Yeah. Because
2: yeah. they were curling away, and they kind of came back into the woods.
0: Right. And so the front target was low and fast. The second target was a little bit higher and a little bit slower. Yes. True pair. True pair. And you went front target, back target.
2: And waxed the first pair, then went uh, lost-dead, then went lost-loss.
0: Right. Yep. And everybody else in our squad pretty much did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I stepped in the box. Now, for me, a natural rotation is not to go to the front, to the back, to the front. (laughs) So, what I mean by that is, you know, you connect with that first bird, and you're swinging left to right, and you break that first bird. Now you're going to come back to the left, connect with the second bird, swing to the right, and break it. That's not a natural movement to me. So the natural movement to me was to start in the back, swing left, right, break the first bird, keep your momentum going, go to the second bird, right? Connect with it and yep. break it. One yep. smooth, fluid movement, and it worked.
2: Yep. And I, and I wish it. I would have shot it the way you did because <clears throat> after I saw you shoot it, it's like, yeah, I should have probably done that. Now, honestly, I could have broke it either way. Yeah. But the point of it was the first trap was about... 20 feet 30 feet in front of the other one mm-hmm. so it was coming out first and faster and it basically got to the woods quicker and i for some reason i just didn't think i had the time to go back to front
0: but that's where the target setter did his job absolutely if, if creating anxiety anxiety in your mind thinking oh my god i gotta get that first bird first or but, that front bird first
2: but honestly it wasn't that i wasn't able to hit the targets it was i was putting too much pressure on my mind and thinking about my score but we're talking
0: thinking, but we're talking about technique So what I'm saying, what I'm asking you... No,
2: you're you're absolutely correct. The way you did it was the right way to do it. I ran the station. You ran the station, and there was no doubt that coming from the back to front was better. And typically, I do that. However, again, I didn't get to see the squad shoot in front of me. We got up there. They just packed up and left or something. And I was the first guy on the station, so I watched it. And it seemed like I had plenty of time to go from the front and just kind of do a collapsing lead on the second bird. And again, the first pair worked out fine. Second pair dropped one. And then third pair, I think I got frustrated and just dropped both birds because I was frustrated.
0: Yeah. Well, so. that's part of being the first shooter.
2: It's a mental thing. It's a mental yeah. thing. But then I, and then I had struggled on the last target because I think I was messed up from that from that station. And there we go. It wound up with an 86 instead of a 92. So there so you go. So
0: you had firsthand experience, lesson learned. Mm-hmm. And we're sharing, sharing it with our listeners. That's right. Yep. And that's the so. thing of it
2: is you learn
0: more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. There you go. Well, hey, speaking of success... Mr. Siebert's had a lot of success running Northbrook. So let's get him on the phone. I want to hear what he has to say about Northbrook. Sounds good.
2: All right. Joining us on the phone right now, Brett Seibert, general manager at Northbrook. Brett, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing great. Jason sitting across from me. Hey, Brad. So, Hello. Um, let's start off with the easy one. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you and Northbrook became to be a thing.
1: Uh, well, I started. I just started shooting uh, around 1999. I started shooting with some friends, and they brought me to Northbrook. And uh, you know, I loved the place and joined it, and uh, started shooting a lot. Started traveling a little bit. Uh, you know, little trips to Wisconsin and then a little farther to Minnesota and then a little farther as, as you guys know how it goes mm-hmm. um, and I volunteered at the club and was the five-stand ch- chairman for a while and then the sporting clays chairman and uh, then I got on I got on the board and uh, ended up being vice president for a couple of terms and we got uh, we started making a lot of improvements we had a good set of uh, a, a really great group of volunteers, and we did a lot of work and started expanding the place and found property that we had that nobody would ever been to, and clearing some areas and making some new courses. and And the more we did, the more the more shooters we got, the more members we got, the more targets we threw. And then around uh, around 2012, our uh, manager's job became open, and we were looking around and. Couldn't find the right person, and uh, I had a concrete construction business for many, many years, and uh, uh, my oldest son was old enough to start running that, so I told him I would take it temporarily, and that was... 11 years ago, temporarily.
2: (laughs) Temporarily, (laughs) I got (laughs) you. Well, tell us a little bit about Northbrook. So you you said you went and you expanded into the property. How how big is the property there at Northbrook for those that have never Uh, been?
1: We're we're about 700 acres now. We bought another 100 acres in 2013. uh, So we were 600. And it was interesting because we had one little sporting clays course and 11 trap and skeet fields. And no one had ever been anywhere else on the property. And we'd, we'd go out and we'd, we'd cut a little brush and we'd see a big 300-year-old oak tree there and we'd clean out to that tree and then we'd see one behind it. And we found, you know, kind of kind of felt like we were Lewis and Clark, found another couple hundred acres to, to shoot on. Cool. Oh,
2: very cool. So what all do you offer there now that everything's up and running? I mean, tell us all about the different uh, opportunities and courses that you, you have there now.
1: Well, we have 11 skeet fields, uh, and, and about six of those are combo with trap fields. Uh, we only really run about three of the trap fields at a time. They're just, just cause, uh, there's not, there's not demand for it just right in this, this local area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, uh, uh, what we call our blue course is super easy, real elementary, great beginner course. We have a white course, which is, goes back in the woods. It's actually the, uh, the original course. And that's kind of a, it's kind of just a classic throwback, uh, sporting clays hunter type course, uh, kind of, you know, light to medium difficulty. And then we have our, our red course. Uh, and they're all, they're all 13 or 14 station course. So we have our red course, which is our competition course. Um, we also run a green course for competitions, which is relatively soft. Uh, and we'll run a hundred bird, hundred bird, uh, Sporting Clays event on that with our monthly shoots, our monthly shoots that we have two of in the summer. So we'll do a, a red course and a green course. Uh, we've always got two parkours of fee task up. We've got a six bird uh, grid set up with six machines with marked distances and angles. So there's nine shooting positions and and six traps. So you can, you'll can you know exactly how far away you are from the targets and the angle and everything, which is, makes for some great practice.
0: Yeah, that's really and cool.
1: Yeah. And then we have, uh, I mean, right now we have a, we even have a 10 station super sporting course up. So oh, cool. we've usually got, you know, we've usually got four courses or five courses going and a couple of two to four feet test parkours and the training grid. So there's you know, those 180 machines out there throwing targets all the time.
0: Wow. That's a lot. So yeah. this upcoming month, you're going to be holding the North central regional, um, what can people expect at Northbrook that sets you guys apart from other regionals?
1: Um, I think that, I think, uh, as in the Midwest. We've got, we've got a little bit of terrain. We've got some real interesting, pretty courses. They, uh, they're all different from each other. There's one, our, our, red course is our berm course, and it's got some man-made berms and, and, uh, hills and, and valleys, and you can shoot a lot of targets beneath your feet. You can't, you know, get targets coming from behind another, uh, another berm that you're not going to see the traps. Uh, when we set targets here, we try to hide the traps the best we can behind a tree, behind a tall grass, and let you look, let you concentrate on the targets instead of the traps. Uh, we've got another course that just kind of runs out through a nice oak savanna. Uh, and and uh, another one that runs down a creek. Yeah. So I think I think all of our courses have a real individual look. They're you're going to be in a pretty spot, and you're going to be shooting fair targets that uh, are they're definitely going to challenge you without without beating you over the head. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, that was that leads into my next question. Is you know targets have become a really hot topic after the U.S. Open, and Northbrook is traditionally known for throwing some big targets, but you've kind of got a different. Outlook on setting targets. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for us?
1: Well, I i, I just personally, I think I, I mean the target target difficulty has been a hot topic for as long as I've been shooting, and it kind of swings. To me, it kind of swings with a, a pendulum. Yeah, uh, and it gets too hard, and then it gets too soft, and somewhere in the middle, you know, we don't we don't throw I, I don't throw at a competition. I'm not going to throw any gimmies. Uh, I'm not going to hang two birds in front of you just to, to, to get you eight targets on your scorecard. Right. Uh, But, but I, I, if you're not concerned with, you know, the 80 year old shooting and, and new kids and new women shooters and new men shooters, if you're not concerned with them having a good time at your event also, uh, you're, you're going to, your business is going to suffer. Agreed. Uh, and you still have to challenge the, you know. I, I, I don't I was never one to worry about what the you know how high the scores were I didn't want to put a number on anything and say C class should shoot this and double A should shoot know. this, but they have to have a good time so you know don't don't get them a zero you know if you can help it and and you still have to challenge the top guys and we do I think we do and uh, no one's no one's ever accused us of throwing uh, a soft a soft course
2: gotcha now did you ever did, were you able to make it to the U S Open this year. I did, yeah. Okay, what do you think about the targets there?
1: Um, I think uh, that Rick Hemingway he knows as much about this game as anybody, and he knows his market. I think, and uh, I I think he threw exactly what he wanted to. Um, And he's, you know, he had a philosophy. He wanted it to be the most challenging shoot of the year, and it. I mean, it definitely was. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I don't know if uh, everybody had as good a time as. You know, maybe the top ten guys did, but you know, <laughs> it was <laughs> work.
2: That, it was definitely
1: work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I hadn't practiced, and I and I shot it, and I shot, I shot poorly. I shot about as well as I had a right to, you know, for not shooting all year. And uh, it was tough. They were tough targets. They were big. They were fast, and uh, you know, there was a lot of them. I loved shooting.
2: Well, um, all right. So let's compare that now to what you typically are going to shoot or set for your regional where do you kind of fall in the mix between the U S open and what you're going to be presenting to most shooters?
1: Uh, I, I, I mean, I would guess that I'd be looking for like 75% of that. I think there'd be, there would probably be fewer, fewer separator stations. If you want to call them that with, you know, the true pair of 50, 50 yard targets. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think you need, four of those on a 14 station course, maybe five, not, uh, not, not a whole lot more than that. Okay. So I, and I think, uh, you know, you don't have to, a lot of, a lot of the stations, you can have a big bird on it. You can have a hard bird on it, but, uh, the second bird doesn't have to be right behind it. Yeah. So, so give, you know, a little give and take. And, and I always think about a couple people that I've, I felt bad, previously in past years when i've set some courses that you know watching some some friends of mine shoot and some people that i know came a long way and and watching them just flounder and you have to keep them in mind while you're set i think a little bit yeah you know unless you want to have a 100 person shoot you know you know if we're going to have six seven hundred or 1200 people at a at a tournament then you've got to make uh, let's try and make three quarters of them happy
0: yeah
2: (laughs) well what kind of numbers are you looking at for this year so far
1: uh we've got a good we've got a good sign up for this year the the north central regionals hasn't historically been a huge one but we're well over 600 right now so uh and it's climbing uh it's it's actually surprised me this past month because usually usually you're about where you're going to get but we've gotten quite a few new entries the past couple weeks so i'll be surprised if we end up you know in the high sixes
0: okay Well, you know, Brett, a good friend of the show, Eric Roden, uh, and also sponsor of the show, Bear Pelt, um, he was telling me he's a member out there at Northbrook. And if I understood this correctly, you got a little different way of running your regular tournaments at Northbrook between the different courses and the amount of targets shot. Can you tell me what that's all about? Because it sounded really interesting.
1: Um, We started uh, started with a green course uh, probably three or four years ago four years ago and we just thought and we we did it we do a green fee task event too so so our events used to be uh just our red course 100 bird very challenging targets uh 50 bird very challenging uh uh fee task and and maybe a five stand or maybe a 50 bird super sporting or something so we added in the green and we kind of just called it intro to sporting tournaments and we added in a green fee task which are you know 50 birds that you better hit 48 of, you know, and, and, uh, we, our, our feeling was that people were intimidated, you know, they've already come to a gun club. They don't want to go over to the registration table if they're new. And we thought we would just, you know, literally grab them by the hand and take them over there and show them how to sign up. And we had some volunteers and our board members, uh, take them, take them out and take them to the green course, let them shoot, you know, a 65 or a 75 at some, at some targets, uh, at some, some simple targets. And our membership took off, our shoots took off. Um, we had uh, I think in I think the first year we put 300 people, new, new NSCA members into, into D class. Awesome. The first year and I think 200 the second year. it, it was the one shoot in the country that D class was by far the biggest bigger than master class.
2: Really Wow.
1: yeah yeah um, and, and they just uh, we've kept doing them and the, the, the red course guys go shoot the green course because they want to go shoot it, see if they can shoot a 98 or a 99. You know, I think we've had one, one or two 100s in three or four years. So, uh, you know, they're getting more registered targets. Uh, they're, they're working on their concentration and, and uh, working on their game. That's So, cool. win, I mean, it's win-win and everybody's liked it. And our, our tournaments are our, – our monthly tournaments are over two days. They're self-scored. Uh, there's no money back to class. So, you know, so we can trust everyone. There's uh, some options and, and frankly, around here, people don't play the options very much anyway, you know? So a a 200 person monthly shoot, I might send out $200 worth of option checks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so they're out, they're out to have fun and and get better. And I think uh, our shooters have gotten a lot better.
0: So you got me curious, obviously your idea with introducing new shooters to a tournament has been perceived really well, but do you see though, out of, let's just say, for example, there's 300 people that signed up for D class. What would you say the returning number is? Is it pretty, pretty strong?
1: It's about 40%.
0: That's not it's bad. Pretty good. That's not it's bad.
1: And I, I mean, that's the following year. Yeah. So that's, there's 40% of them are signing up and with a paid, with a paid membership. Uh, the following year, it's easy to get them to take the free membership that CLM. But if they if they renew, that's pretty
0: good. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely.
2: Well, um, going back to the regional event. So, for those of us who haven't been there, what kind of amenities are there? I mean, I imagine that are you do you allow camping there? People with campers and stuff are they allowed to stay on the grounds or?
1: Yeah, we have we have uh, twenty twenty RV spots or so, and uh, they'll they'll fill up uh we'll have gunsmiths of course we've got a ton of ammo we've laid away a ton of ammo and been working on that real hard the past couple years uh so we've got we have a barn full of winchester rc a little bit of fiochi um we uh they i think people are impressed with the the grooming of the grounds we take real good care of it the The grass is going to be cut the the bugs are going to be sprayed they're going to have great food Uh, the clubhouse is very nice the air conditioning works stuff like that you know that's big and and uh, a nice outdoor pavilion and plenty of tents and and plenty of activities and we have a we have a group of members that works hard on uh, on uh, volunteering to to do a lot of uh, a lot of the extras
2: and locally, uh, locally around the uh, the facilities, uh, what's the closest town? Like, where, where are people going to grab a hotel and maybe go out and get something to eat outside of the course?
1: Uh, they're going to they're going to probably stay in Libertyville or Gray's Lake or uh, or Mundelein are probably the three closest towns. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only you know we're less than an hour from downtown Chicago. We're forty minutes from O'Hare. So if they're flying in, uh, they're going to they're probably closest they're gonna to be to any big club uh, to a major airport. Uh we're we're an hour from Milwaukee Airport. So you know the location's really ideal and it's uh you're out of the city, you're well out of the city, and it's a semi rural kind of area with some nice towns close by with great restaurants and uh and plenty of nice hotels. So
0: gotcha. I wanna shift gears here for just a second, Brett, if I could. Am I correct in saying this that you were kind of instrumental in helping Mark Baltazar with American Field Sporting? Is is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, we worked on that. I worked on that with Mark for quite a while. We worked on it for a couple of years and went through all the rules and did some tests and spent a lot of time on the phone and a couple cocktails here and there. Um, it was a lot of fun and marks a marks a brilliant guy and and wanted to, you know, we both wanted to come up with something that was a little faster and a little more fun than. And some of the experiences we'd had and we knew we knew uh, we knew what, what what people were having problems with and what they weren't liking about some of the games.
0: Well, you know, anybody that listens to the show knows that I'm a huge fan of it. Um, it's been out for a couple of years now. What's what's your outlook on it now? I mean, what do you think? Is it headed in the right direction? Is it is it growing at a rate you think it should be, or are we a little behind, or what's your take on it?
1: Oh, uh, I think it I think it it absolutely took off way faster and was way more successful than I thought it would be. People just, uh, people just liked it. And, uh, and, and they went for it and it wasn't, it wasn't anti anything. It was more of a, you know, let's, let's just look at things like you'd look at your own club and say, geez, this is kind of done. Why do we do this? Why don't we make it easier for the people to, to, that we want to come shoot to come shoot. Yeah. Um, and, and the game, it, the, the, a lot of what we talked about was, you know, younger shooters and, you know, in the shooting game, maybe, you know, kids like 40 year olds, you know, (laughs) and, and, and younger, um, not wanting to spend nine hours or 11 hours at the gun club to shoot, you know, a couple hundred targets. So how do we get them, how do we get them here? You know, people are busier, kids are busier. How do we get them, get them to come and scoot, you know, and, and still have a good time without it being a week long or day long commitment.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. Well, along those lines, all right, so let's talk a little bit about tournaments because I think you kind of touched on a few things that are, have been hot topics lately. So, for instance, the U.S. Open, there was a lot of comments about the targets, and they were definitely tough and probably discouraging for lower class and newer shooters, right? I mean, let, let's just be fair. Um, so, with that said, with the level of talent that we've got in our sport at, at this point in the game, are we on track to kind of keep getting bigger better crazier targets is that what's going to take to to keep the sport moving forward or do we need to kind of maybe pump the brakes and think about the new people coming in and making it not so daunting or or disconcerting for them to go to a tournament and feel like they just got beat up
1: well i think you can do both you know i think you can separate some of the events uh, uh, i i don't know that we've talked a lot of times about having a, a uh, say it just, for instance, at nationals, if you shot, if everybody shot three days instead of four and the top 60 guys, you went and set a course for them for their last 75 birds. And you wouldn't have to please everyone with that course. You know, maybe you go set another course to 75 birds. It's a little more moderate for uh, the like the way they split the, the, the five stand at nationals with, you know, uh, A class and down and master and double A. So you let them shoot their targets for, you know, a class and down go shoot a 75 bird course and then, and then, you know, go through whatever you want to separate uh, the top 50 guys. Gotcha.
2: Well, all right. So another thing, like what's your take on how tournaments overall are going in the U.S.? I mean, any opinions on how we can make them better, or what things need to be done to improve it? I mean, like you said, it does take time to get through all the events, uh, with the cost of fuel going up, and travel going up, and hotels going up. Um, obviously, and and not not to mention ammo. Let's let's not, let's leave, not leave that out of the equation. I mean, uh, do we need the clubs need to be more, I guess, sensitive to people and their schedules and their money in order to be able to kind of get them in, get them out, make them feel like they did something without trying to drag it out for too long. Or,
1: well, I, I think exactly. I mean, it, we, I mean, without doing uh, what what do they call it, shrinkflation, where you make the, the potato chip bag smaller, right, and charge the same. Uh, but I, I I mean, I've been thinking for a long time about what's what's magical about a hundred birds. You know, why not why not seventy five? I have thought that if you know skeet has its challenges, if it's, you know why why don't they shoot seventy five birds instead of hundred? They always they never have enough fields, you know, to shoot. They never have enough fields. They can't get enough people, uh, uh, or or have too many people at, for a smaller club to have a tournament. If they should, it's going to be the same guys in their shoot off, you know. So I, I <laughs> it'll, you might have one extra guy in a shoot off that ran a 75 instead of running a hundred, and I think we could, I think we could help our shooters out a little bit that way in sporting, as well. Uh, you know, just uh, just uh, you know, do a 77 bird super sporting instead of a hundred uh it works out good with the numbers you don't end up throwing extra birds you could throw you know 11 seven bird stations and and uh uh, ignore the 100 bird gospel just because shells come in a 25 uh 25 count box
2: well yeah because i mean obviously the the big difference like me and jason noticed uh, i mean we've we've shot Ohio State, we've shot regionals we went to the nationals last year and we shoot shot some of the bigger shoots the neat thing about going to the U.S. Open at Rick's Place was the amount of property they have. I mean, they basically have a limitless amount of land. So they can, I mean, they set up uh, three rotations, what was it, 16 stations for the main on each one. And a lot of times you only got two pair per station. So they really stretched it out. They really made that happen. But I guess for smaller clubs that don't have the acreage or the, the size to do that kind of a, of a, of a, course. I mean, obviously they're at a main they're at a disadvantage to try to throw a big main like that in that regards of the way Rick did it this year. Um, Oh, sure. I I mean, so what, what what, what does a smaller club have to do to be able to draw enough people to keep, you know, these tournaments going and and to keep them profitable?
1: It's tougher when it's tough, you know, when the courses get compact and stuff and it's uh, you know, it's, it does give the, it does give the event a whole different feel. Uh, you end up with a bunch of in and out birds and trap birds and incomers and stuff like that. I, I, I mean, a lot of clubs The, the uh, we have a lot of really good clubs that aren't huge and they do a great job of that. And you don't, you know, you uh, you don't feel, you don't feel that way. Uh, M M&M and M does a great job with it. Uh, you know, their, their place is kind of, kind of tight, but you wouldn't know it by the targets, you know, just the way they've, the, the way they've, they work their property. Um, it's i mean it's it's all doable you can cram a lot in a in a little spot uh if you've got if you've got the right the right type of spot
0: what's your take brett on sporting clays as a whole in the united states we talked about targets we talked about tournaments but are we are we missing the boat on something or do you think we're okay i think i
1: think we're i think we're treading water to be honest with you um you know, there's like this, like the slightest of gains every year, and uh, I, I think the one thing that we're missing out on is the recreational shooter. Everybody, everybody throws around numbers that you know the NSSF comes up with, uh, you know, with with their polls that ten or I've heard different numbers, ten million or twenty million different people shot a clay target last year. You know, and we have twenty five thousand members in the NSCA and, and a couple thousand of them shoot, you know, more than a thousand targets a year. Yeah. So I, I I think, and I don't know if that's something the association can do, their resources are pretty limited, but I think just reaching out to, to casual shooters and, and, you know, barnyard shooters or whatever hunters or whatever, if there's that many people, let's, you know, let's get them out to our gun clubs, at least for 25 birds. You know, and, and some some sort of outreach that way, which is just going to, you know, it's very doable. It's just a, a ton of work for somebody. Right. You know.
2: Do you feel like the, obviously, I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but, you know, with the recent crunch in the econ, economics of things, shell prices going up, gas prices going up, basically all of your expenses to go do this. And let's face it, this is a hobby for most people. This is, a, this is their golf. This is their bass fishing. This is just another episode of that. Um, I mean, do you feel like you've noticed a a small decline in, in people coming to your tournaments lately or not so much?
1: Um, I, not, probably not a a recognizable bump. I, I do kind of feel, and I think people might be shooting one event instead of two or two events instead of three, stuff like that. And, and, and with the cost, you know, wheeling out, wheeling out 10 flats of ammo, like they used to do last year for. You know, for six hundred bucks, and now it's a thousand. Uh, it's obviously going to make a difference on people's practice and everything like that. And I think, I mean, I think, I think we're managing that by getting more people shooting. You know, and more people shooting, maybe possibly a few less targets. Um, but the guys, you know, the, the guys and, and, and girls, the women that uh, that are that love to shoot, they're going to shoot. Yeah, uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't keep them away if you wanted to. But there, you know, everybody's going to make some adjustments. It's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's never been a cheap hobby, and it's it's gotten more expensive.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, but everything is. I mean, if you go golfing seriously, it's it's not any cheaper. I mean, the clubs are expensive, the greens fees are expensive, and, and you know, bass fishing. Let's let's talk about you know having to own a. Well, I guess you don't have to own it, but I've seen so many guys that have, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar bass boat and they're pulling that with a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar pickup truck and then let's not talk about all the rods, reels, lures, uh, electronics and all that stuff. I mean, anything you do is a hobby that's along these lines is going to cost you some money. I mean, it's just, I it's guess you got to pick your poison basically it's just
1: like a thousand dollars a pound for a bass or a thousand dollars a punch for a, a <laughs> yeah. sporting clay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You
2: can't eat the sporting clays though. That's they taste. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've seen exactly what you're talking about though. I I've been noticing it at tournaments for the last few months is you still see the same amount of people. You still see the same people. But they're not signing up for every single side game, every single you know fee Su- task game sporting. Right? <clears throat> they're gonna go there and shoot the sporting, maybe the prelim, and that's it. Or maybe they'll shoot the prelim and the fee task, and that's it. You know. So I see what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I, th- I, I, th- I think, and I think, uh, I, I mean, you asked what uh, earlier what what we're missing. We've we've gone whole hog over supporting the youth shooting, and that's great. And it's a it's an easy thing to get money to do. It's an easy thing to get donations and volunteer time and everything for the youth shooting um and we've started at, at northbrook in, in, in and a lot a lot of the clubs in florida and a lot of the other clubs have just started t- uh, targeting and inviting the women to shoot and it's i wish we'd have done it earlier and i wish we'd have done it with the effort that we've put into the youth shooting because it if if you can get them to shoot everybody can shoot if mom can go it wants to go to the gun club then the kids can and and Dad can and everybody can, and it's it's you know it's fifty percent of the population. <laughs> you know, right? And and they're having you know we we've, we've had some, pro- some programs here. Where my daughter ran has run a, quite a few events called uh, Ladies Book Club, and they come they come and they go out and shoot fifty birds, and we give them a little lesson or something and something, and they come inside and uh, and have some food and get drunk, and you know they're they're like when's the next one? And yeah. they join the club. They join the club that day.
0: <laughs> yeah so uh, I, I wish you wouldn't we have said need to that, go brett. after them i wish you wouldn't have said that my wife edits these things if i get her out i, I could barely afford registered targets as it is let alone for two of us
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, yeah that's yeah you know, that's the flip side
0: yeah
2: <laughs> well brett i'm gonna have to make it out to your club sometime my brother-in-law recently moved out to chicago uh prospect heights area so i think it's maybe f- he's not far yeah 40 yeah. minutes 45 minutes from me. if i if i looked at yeah, that yeah, right. he's not far at all yeah, do send, I need him to... over. send him over. Well, I'm going to try to come out there and visit him sometime. Maybe I'll drag him over there. Uh, do we need to call ahead and make a reservation for anything, or how does no, that work?
1: Just come, just come on, just come on out and give me a holler. Let me know when you're coming. I'll show you around and get you shooting.
2: Cool, man. I'd love to see the club because I've I've heard all about the, what great targets you throw and and how nice the club is. I really want to come see it firsthand.
1: Well, you're more than welcome.
0: Well, Brett, before we let you go, um, like I said, the regionals coming up. Is there anything, any other information that we may have missed? If somebody wants to go ahead and make it out there for, to that regional,
1: uh, no, no. The, the sign ups are on uh, the, the sign are on Score Chaser. Um, if, if any anybody has any issues or wants to make sure they have ammo, club websites uh, northbrooksportsclub.org. dot uh, there, org. There's an info email on there. Give us a call. Give us shoot us an email, and we will make it easy for you to come. Good
0: deal. Awesome. I'll make sure and put your link down there in the bottom of this podcast description, too. And like I said, it's on score cheese. I think there's still plenty of room. I was looking at it earlier. There's still plenty of room on all the events, right?
1: Yeah, there is. The fee task is a little backed up because it's old style. It's backed up to Tuesday, I think, right now. But uh, there's always, you know, especially in fee tests, there's always some people that drop out. So in all the other events, there's still still a little bit of room in.
0: OK, good deal. Gotcha.
2: Well, Brett, thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy day, to sit down and talk with us. We're really excited to have you on here and talk about Northbrook. It's one of our uh, bucket list events that we have to go try to check that club out. The
0: ever growing, the ever growing bucket, bucket list. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I mean, but
2: but, but Northbrook's yeah. definitely got a big reputation, and we'd like to come out there and yeah, see us for soon. sure.
1: Well, thanks for the opportunity, guys. It was great talking to you. All righty. Well, you have a wonderful evening. You too. Thanks a lot. Thanks,
0: Brett. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: All right. Stand by for this
1: quick segment.
2: All right. Joining us on the phone for this Odo Pro segment, we've got Chip Pitfield all the way up at, uh, from Canada. Chip, how you doing this evening?
3: I'm doing wonderfully well. Thank you. I've got
2: Jason sitting across from me.
0: Hey, Chip. How, what, part hey what, what part of Canada are you hailing from? What part of Canada are you hailing from?
3: Toronto.
2: Ontario.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you enjoy shooting sporting clays. How did you get started in this crazy game?
3: Oh gosh. I started I started about thirty five years ago when I wanted I was always a waterfowler and a bird hunter, and I wanted to learn how to shoot properly. So I started shooting sporting clays. And I got a little bit of instruction. I got hooked on the game completely and for about five years I shot a lot until I started reproducing.
2: yes that's funny how that happens isn't it
3: yeah (laughs) it is and so i had a bunch of boys and i came back to it kind of casually about five years ago and very seriously about two years ago gotcha gotcha
2: so obviously you realize the importance of protecting your hearing which is why i imagine you went with otopro for your hearing protection
3: i went with otopro because i heard the OtoPro Pro woman interviewed on your podcast.
2: Oh well, wonderful! That's awesome. Glad. That's a that's a true life testimonial right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which models did you wind up going with? Did you get like the Phantoms or one of her other models?
3: No, I got the, I got the simple ones that are towards the bottom of the line. One of them is simply just an insert with nothing, and one of them has a has a noise filter in it, and I can't remember what they're called.
2: Okay, no worries, no worries. Uh, But they they appear to be working very well for you? I'm no
3: expert, but I can tell you they're as good as anything I've ever worn, and they are undoubtedly more comfortable.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, both of those that she offers, they're both custom fit. Is that correct, Chip?
3: Yes, that's correct. I I had molds made up here. I sent them down here. She has a woman by the name of Jennifer working for her who is the most efficient, accommodating, helpful woman on earth.
0: I I can attest to that because she has been awesome for Sean and I to work with. That girl, I told Grace, she needs flowers and chocolates and a raise. So,
3: so. yes, I agree with you. And I, I don't know whether she's 25 or 55, but she's a genius.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that girl. And she's a hard worker, too. So. Um,
3: yeah, I don't doubt it.
0: So, okay, so you've got both. You've got the custom fit, basically earplugs, and then you have the custom fit filtered now that you've kind of had a run of the mill with both, which one do you prefer using?
3: Uh, well, I think it's the one without the filters. Okay. But, right. but I'm making a distinction here that's pretty skinny, and I'm not sure that it's really well-founded. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I like them both.
2: Okay. Uh, any negatives or anything like that about them so far? And how long have you had them? I was curious. None. To, none. Okay.
3: Nah, probably... I've probably shot with them fifteen times.
2: Okay, so you've definitely had enough experience with them to to know whether or not they're working or not, at least to that degree. So that's good. That's good. Well, they sure
3: they sure feel like they're working. I'm <laughs> I'm no different now than I was when I started using them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: gotcha. So let me ask you this, Chip: from start to finish, tell us about the experience working with OdoPro. I think I sent them an email,
3: and uh, Jennifer contacted me. And if I'm not mistaken, she might be in Mississippi, I think. Yes. And uh, told me what the process would be. We discussed what I wanted. Uh, I didn't much care about hearing other people talk or anything. So I moved away from the ones at the top of the line. And I found a a hearing place up here that would make the molds for me. I had the molds made. I sent them down to Jennifer by courier. She... I'm going to say I had them within a week back, back to Canada. Wow. I think I had, we have a, we have a, a small place in Florida and I think she might have sent one of them to Florida for me. Uh, so it was like convenient as hell. The service was unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: Well, that's
2: good. That's that's awesome to hear. And I'm sure that Grace and her staff will be very happy to hear that. Um, so if there was any of your shooting buddies out there that you, you know, pal around with, you see, and they're asking you about hearing aids, any reservations about recommending Otopro to them?
3: No, I've already done so. And I have a friend who uh, who already dealt with Jennifer and was very pleased. Excellent. Excellent.
0: Awesome. Well, Chip, thank you very much for spending a few minutes with us. We really appreciate it. And I, I know Dr. Grace is going to be really happy to hear uh, your comments and your testimonial about Odo Pro.
3: Well, thank you guys for calling me, and uh, I very much enjoy your podcast, and uh, thanks for giving me a show.
0: Thank you very much, Thanks, Chip.
3: Chip. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, guys. See you. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Well, Jason, I don't know about you, but again, Northbrook's been on my bucket list for a while. I need to get out there. Now with my brother-in-law living outside of Chicago, I really just need to make it a point to pack the gun, take
0: it with me. You know it would help. seriously what would help if you would just win that daggone lottery ticket we've been talking about we can we can start dwindling this bucket list down a little bit i
2: I keep trying i mean you will remember that i I got some keno tickets while we were waiting for a pizza (laughs) after our tournament and
0: uh, you ain't gonna do it with keno i don't don't think i even
2: hit one number out of the 10 numbers that i picked it better be
0: powerball or mega millions for what we want to do yeah no doubt no doubt so
2: but that's that's good man i mean again uh Northbrook's been on my bucket list. A lot of people talk about the big targets that they throw there. I'm going to have to definitely go firsthand and experience it myself.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Eric Roden tells us all the time, you know, how nice it is there. And he's a regular member there. Right. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, come on. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's 50 other clubs. It's like, yeah, come on. You know? Yeah. And
2: I didn't realize that they had this much. I mean, 700 acres, that's about the same size as the National Shooting Complex, right? About in the yeah. same ballpark, right? Yeah. That's a that's pretty big yeah. facility.
0: That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt.
2: So, I mean, hats off to Brett. Sounds like that uh, since he came on board, the club's been growing in the right direction and sounds like they got a lot of neat things to go out there and shoot. So, I'm looking forward to it. Whenever I can make it happen, I'm going to make sure I get my opportunity to go out there.
0: So, you're going to the North Central Regional next month? No, no, I'm not going to be able to make that, buddy.
2: Sorry. <laughs> yeah, work will not allow me to leave. So, uh, I'm going to the Indiana State shoot this weekend. You're traveling to Colorado this weekend. I mean, We're busy guys when it comes to the shooting circuit. So so.
0: your wife listens to these podcasts?
2: Yes, she does. Okay,
0: good. I'm going to make this official right now. I am not responsible for your decision to go to the Nationals.
2: Jason Rambo, I'm going to strangle you in the parking lot before you leave.
0: (laughs) No, I am not responsible for this. (laughs) Dang I do not want to hear it.
2: All right, honey, when you hear this, yeah, guess what? I'm going to the Nationals. (laughs) I was on the fence, but now I've decided
0: I have to go. (laughs) No, don't you blame me. Uh -uh. And it's
2: all Jason's fault. Dang it.
0: We're going to edit that part out.
2: No, we're not. Jules, leave it in.
0: Jules, honey, <laughs> love you.
2: God. Well, at least we can throw each other under the bus and have fun with it. Yes.
0: So. Hey, listen, I've been in trouble with your wife for thirty years, and it's just I'm used to it by now. Yeah, I don't think Jules gives me enough credit for as much trouble as I get you in. She doesn't see. I'm. That's the difference between you and I. I don't throw you under the bus. Maybe I need to start doing that more. I need to start blaming Sean more.
2: Now, wait a minute! Don't make me bring up. Don't we bring up skeletons here? <laughs> <laughs> don't make me dig them out i'll dig them out oh god okay just, just be right. good be be politically correct let's be good
0: uh, yeah i'm not gonna say nothing
2: <laughs>
0: so sean we have i'm trying to think this podcast comes out the sctp will have started right and so by the time everybody's hearing so next week and i say next week i mean next week from when you're hearing this We're going to be at SCTP running around, uh, talking to some sponsors, talking to some youth shooters. Uh, That ought to be pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Looking forward to running into the Midway USA Foundation. Yep. Um, Don't forget you're buying them pizza. That's
2: right. We are buying them pizza. The dead pair is buying them pizza.
0: Oh, there's a we. You know what? I did open my big mouth, didn't I? You did it's It's in recording, so you can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. I said it. I got to do it. So. It's a
2: big event, it's a fun event, so yes,
0: absolutely, and that fundraiser shoot's always a good one absolutely so um, and then next week what's what's the plan? What are we doing? Are we gonna release the Sean and Jason podcast? Um,
2: if we can get it polished up, it kind of went off the rails in a couple of different places. but did
0: you hear back from your attorney?
2: uh, they're still looking into some things. <laughs>
0: some liability clauses yeah
2: they're checking some things out and apparently there's some paperwork i got to fill out and a few disclaimers
0: well chad ran it by his attorneys and they said well they're the idiots you're good okay you just asked the question you just asked the question (laughs) we're not responsible for what happened after
2: they answered (laughs) gotcha gotcha that makes me feel so much better
0: yeah oh my goodness thank you very very much to bear pelt Klmo Ammo, Game Boy U.S., OtoPro Hearing Technologies, Negrini Cases, Rhino Chokes, RE Ranger, White Flyer, and Folded Wing Apparel. Thank you very much. Don't forget, use the code DEADPAIR10 at checkout. Folded Wing to save 10%. Uh, don't forget to get to our website. Hit the swag button or go over directly to shoot, ClayShootingApparel.com. Get yourself some dead pair swag.
2: Yeah, and as we say every week, Take somebody new shooting. Take somebody new to a tournament. Take them to a charity shoot. Basically, just go out and have some fun shooting a shotgun and breaking some clay birds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And until next week, Mr. Alley. We
2: can't wait to see you all back here on the Dead Pair Podcast.